Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, I'm producer Ben, and today we'll be picking up where Craig left off in yesterday's Manly Musings on preparing your kids for a disaster or survival situation. So without further ado, here is Master Craig with part two of this week's Manly Musings. Hey everybody, this is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Blind School and co-host of the Survival Show Podcast. Coming to you right now for part two of a couple of podcasts that I've done on the topic of helping your kids get prepared for survival and disaster readiness. A lot of fantastic resources out there. I'll have some linked below for you. Uh, in part number one, I went over some general ideas about how you can let your kids struggle. Got a good story you can share with your kids. You can tell that story in your own words. You don't have to read it verbatim the way I did. I never read things verbatim like that anyway. I usually make them up my own head and apply them to whoever it is I'm speaking to. So um, today what I wanted to do is focus our attention on wilderness survival and getting prepared for being in the outdoors. Again, that's where my wheelhouse is. That's where I feel most comfortable. And so that's where I want to be able to help you all as best I can. So again, big shout out to everybody that's given us a five-star review. Those that have given us a subscription or offered comments and suggestions. And uh, I really like this Anchor as our platform for hosting because that allows us to get voice messages from you all, which we appreciate. Somebody did the click the button the other day and gave us some applause on our last podcast, which comes across my phone, and that makes me feel good that I know people are listening and, and getting something from the podcast and, and taking that necessary step to uh, to let us know that you appreciate it. Man, it's been great. So uh, several of you all out there are commenting, Todd Gibson and uh, Daniel uh, Daniel. Aaron, thank you for your feedback. Um, my good buddy Mike Travis, who is another writer, writes some really fantastic magazine articles and has a fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, he's been giving me a lot of feedback, uh, particularly in the beginning when we started this project. So, yeah, thanks to everybody. Really appreciate it. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of this today. What I want to discuss is wilderness survival, uh, particularly for kids. Uh, the, the key for developing preparation for kids outside is doing something, doing anything at all so that the kids are outdoors uh, becoming familiar with what is out there. Uh, so many children today have no idea what, a, you know, what trees feel like. They don't know what you know, uh, dog poop smells like. I mean, it's, it's just so much stuff that's out there that kids need to be aware of that is out there. And... Um, if you'll recall in part one, I mentioned a study that talked about, uh, there was a study where 900,000 kids were, uh, went through this research study from 1985, I think to 2013 or something and how important green space is to kids, whether they can just see a tree out their window or they can actually go to a park. Uh, those of us that are born in a rural area or suburban area where you've got a yard is just incredibly valuable. 
And so uh, I'll have a link to that study down below. Uh, there's an old adage that uh, everybody knows I'm a tree nerd, but there's an old adage about when is the best time to plant a tree. And this adage is that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the second best time is today. You can you can say a hundred years ago or today. It doesn't matter. Just the point is, is that yeah, if you had had the forethought to plant a few trees twenty, thirty, a hundred years ago, then yeah, that was the best time to plant some trees. But if you haven't done that, then the time to do it is now. Be in the business of it now. Don't forego. The same thing is true for training kids up for outdoor related topics. Yes, obviously the best time is when your kids were born. You know, when my kids were born. Uh, we carried them around in chest kits, you know, nursing kits. My wife carried a one of the, you know, basically like a, a chest carrying papoose type thing where the kids could nurse and she could hike and do her things while they were, you know, she's running around like a like our Aboriginal woman at that time, which is very natural, quite frankly. But um, after they graduated from that, then we put them in backpacks, and I carried them a lot then. And then we started taking a whole lot of really short hikes. When they started to walk, you know, maybe a hike that would last 50 yards because <laughs> that's all the kids could walk because they would wear us out walking those 50 yards. But, yeah, I mean, there's a progression there. That is the best time to start is, is when they start out their lives because if you do that, then they're experiencing it all the way through their uh, maturation. And particularly those five, first five years of life are incredibly vital to developing some some imprinted things in your children. Now, with that said, don't give up and don't go, well, my kids are 14 years old now or some variation of it and I can't do anything about it. And there's nothing that could be further from the truth. Again, when's the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? When's the second best time today? Get started today. So that is going to be incredibly valuable to helping you getting started. Just don't, just don't put it off. Continue to get involved with them now so that they have the ability to do some things and be more comfortable with all that when they're later. So kids, I mean, if you look at, uh, there's a lot of studies that have been done on this topic, but if you look at kids that have been raised in areas where they basically have nothing, you know, they might live in a hut. And, you know, they have a well for the whole town or they get a water source that's a creek or river and that's where they get their water. There is no there is no bathroom. There is no kitchen. There is no anything like that. Kids will find a way to enjoy themselves playing with something, whether that is playing with mud or sticks or rock or basically anything in their vicinity. They'll find a way to enjoy themselves. You know, all kids are like that. If you have kids at home and you stick them in front of a TV or you thrust into their hands an electronic device, that's their mud and that's their stick. They're going to find a way to enjoy playing with those things. So if that is their only option, then you're not giving them much choice but to enjoy that. So if you, on the other hand, have an opportunity to put sticks and trees and grass and sand in their hands, then they're going to be able to play with that and they're going to learn how valuable it is to be outdoors and to play with things such as that. Now, with that said, I'm a huge fan of trying to understand with our children, if we, let's say we've got these older kids and we didn't start them off when they were young, of bridging the gap. You know, you, I've seen this happen a lot and I've had parents come to our classes that have done this where 
they buy some gear, they come to a, let's say a, you know, a level one safety and survival class with nature reliance school and kid is used to playing on their phone, playing games or some sort of handheld game, or they play video games at the house on the TV or whatever all the time. And then their parents go, okay, we're going to go rough it or we're going to go have fun and do all this stuff outdoors. And the kids are miserable. Now, we do everything we can to resolve that and make it more fun. Don't get me wrong. We do our best. But if you take a child that is used to electronics and then take those electronics away from them and then thrust them into the outdoors, more often than not, they are going to be miserable. So what I like to do or what I encourage people to do is to somehow bridge the gap between home life and electronics and the outdoors. And one of the best ways to do that is to let them take their electronics to the outdoors. Now, some people say that's almost heresy and that you should never do that. But I, just watching kids over the last, you know, at least decade of teaching classes with Nature Reliance School, have noticed that that rarely turns out well. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't immerse kids. There's obviously a bunch of kids that do that, but it... it if you don't have a way of bridging that gap, then then it's difficult on a lot of children. So what I recommend is, you know, if you had an electronic device, take the family out for a picnic one day. And you can go to a city park. You don't have to go out in the middle of nowhere. Just go to a city park. Have a picnic. Let them play with their device there. Next time, conveniently forget the device and leave it at home. Have a picnic. And the next time... Uh, go to the woods for a little hike, but let them take their electronic device again. And then next time you go on a hike, well, you go on a hike and, oh, we didn't take electronic device. And, you know, one of the things that we've done in school programs and trying to help kids bridge the gap is we tell them on one day, like, you know, my wife teaches a bunch of classes like this, but let's say there's a six-week program. And during that six-week program, she might take a day and say, hey, if you have a phone or you have a device that you can take photos with, then bring it to class kids will bring it to class and so she'll spend the day teaching them how to take pictures of outdoor stuff whether it's a track or a leaf or a plant that way she teaches them how to better document what it is that the kids are doing and when they share stuff on social media hey they got better pictures and they can be more artistic with it and so in that manner we help the kids bridge the gap between nature and being in the outdoors as well as their home life where they're not hardly ever there so that's one way that we have done it with great success to help the kids bridge that gap. And eventually, obviously, we're going to do everything we can to show the kids how much uh, just being outdoors can be enjoyable. You know, fire building is always a good way to do that. Kids love making fires. So if you can teach them how to do it safely and help them, then uh, they'll, they'll be more apt to help you and get involved with you in the outdoors. Now, that said, if you look down below in the description, I've got uh, three books out now. The Extreme Wilderness Survival, obviously, which has uh, available information in and on survival in general. I did not put anything in there specifically for families. It's a real general look at the system of studying survival and how to go about studying it. So it's incredibly valuable for adults, but I don't have any specifics in there for kiddos. Now, my last two books, Ultimate Wilderness Gear, as well as Essential Wilderness Navigation that I co-wrote with Tracy, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Those two books do have specifics in them for families and kids and stuff of that nature. So uh, if you if you pick up Ultimate Wilderness Gear or you already have it, there's a section in there that has some games. And I thought I'd go over some of these games for you, even if you don't have the book. The first one's called Scavenger Hunt. Obviously, most people know what a scavenger hunt is. But the way we do it is that uh, for kids is that we'll provide them with a list of things that they have to find. And those things might be a pine cone or a rock as big as your hand or you had to find a dead bug or uh, a leaf that's bigger than your head and, and things like that. Things that can they can see and find and scavenge and play in the woods and in a meadow or a field or what have you. And at the same time, find some things that have to they have to look for. It's not easy, you know. You can say, yeah, find a brown leaf, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that. But if you say you have to find a leaf that's bigger than your head, then that forces them to look a little bit harder and then throw in some easy ones for them as well. You know, um, a piece of grass that's got a seed on it or tiny a seed from a plant that's smaller than your fingernail or something. You know, something just so the kids are out looking. Uh, make sure if you're going to do something like this, that you know the kids know what poison ivy and poison sumac and stuff like that and where snakes like to hide out and those kind of things so that you don't put them in any danger but at the same time uh, let them get out and get a little bit dirty you know usually i would have done this where they have to find a creek rock for example and almost always kids are going to end up playing in the creek a little bit hey what's wrong with that right as long as there's some supervision there and there's no risk of them falling in over their head or what have you but anyway that's scavenger hunt um, game number two is what I refer to as meet a tree. A lot of games that we do involve blindfolds. And the reason that you'll see, and I, and I publish stuff like this on a regular basis, um, is blindfold basically takes away uh, our vision, obviously. But what it does is it forces us to heighten our other senses. And so you might smell a tree when you've never smelled a tree before. And more often than not, this game, Meet a Tree, is where you feel a tree in a way that you've never felt it before. And so this is, we do this one in city parks all the time. But if you've got a city park where there's multiple trees, you know, a good 10 trees, if you got, you know, you, I've done this with kids, as many as 20 kids at a time, where you put them in a circle close to the trees, but not right next to one. And you tell them to put all their blindfolds on and then you hold them by the hand and walk them to a tree and say, meet your tree. So the child will then put their hands on the tree. They'll feel it. Oftentimes the kids will hug the tree, put their arms around it, smell it. Uh, you know, occasionally kids will, um, you know, feel limbs that are big. Sometimes the limbs are huge. Sometimes they're tiny. Sometimes it feels really rough. Sometimes it feels really smooth, you know, and that way the kids get to meet these trees and without looking at them then you bring them all together still with their blindfolds on you jumble them around a little bit so they have no idea where their tree is and then you take the blindfold off and say all right go go find your tree and the kids you know 99 times out of 100 they'll go right to their tree they'll look around 
and they will oftentimes for the first time notice things about a tree that they had never seen before, even though they had been around those trees many times. You know, the bark is really rough. You know, if you look at a tree and you don't take the time to meet it, for example, then it's it's a, a situation where, you know, you don't recognize that the bark is rough or smooth or what have you. However, if you play that game enough, and I do this, I've done this with adults too, then they get the opportunity to start to recognize things through their sight that they would have normally not been able to see. Uh, the last one that I'll talk about, no, I've got an extra time. I'll, I'll, I've got two or three more here. But the, the next one is what we refer to as rope maze. And so, again, if you've got a, a bunch of trees, you know, five to ten that are in close, th- this is very beneficial in a wooded area like a wilderness where you've got trees in close proximity to one another. I'll take a, a rope tied off to one tree and then start to basically walk in and out of trees, wrap the rope around on itself, and go around other trees. I'd never tie a knot in it. Um, until the end again. And then I'll put the blindfolds again on the kids again, put them at the beginning, tell them they have to put a hand on the rope and their hand cannot come off of the rope. And so they have to go through the maze and their hand goes around the tree and up and over the rope and over here it goes under the rope and over there it goes around this way on a tree, over here it goes around this way on a tree. And in that manner, the kids get this real in-depth Again, it's tactile learning where they're feeling the rope and they're, they'll feel the tree as they come up to it. Oftentimes, it's really interesting to watch uh, kids when they're walking up to a tree. They will uh, basically feel it before they get there. And I'm not some saying some, some, some sort of esoteric energy. I'm just saying basically the same way bats work. When, they, when you hear yourself walking, you're paying attention to that, and you'll hear certain echoes coming back at you. You really, for the most part, we don't pay attention to that. But when you're blindfolded, you really pay attention to that. And so this is a great way for kids to learn how to pay more strict and closer attention to what's going on around them. The next one is what we refer to as blindfold drumstalk. Blindfold drumstalk, again, is again where you take a blindfold and you put the kids at the end of one field and you boom, boom, you beat a, drink, beat a drum at about that sort of pace, maybe even a longer time in between, and the kids have to walk to you. And it's lovely, absolutely lovely when the kids have a few trees in their way because they will almost every single time feel that tree before they ever bump into it. And when I say feel it, they'll feel it before they ever make contact with it. And so, again, it's just they're hearing these echoes of their footfall and stuff of that nature. So this is a fantastic way to go ahead and teach some kids how to overcome their fears. And by overcoming their fears, what they do is they know how to, when they come up on a fear like a survival situation, they have some methods in their own mind that they've built up on how to overcome them. Because that's vital. Uh, That's incredibly vital to put kids in a situation where they have to deal with some stress, much like we discussed in podcast number one or part one of this two-part series. And in this manner, kids have the ability to overcome some of these obstacles that were seemingly something that they could not overcome, but now they have overcome them. And wow, they have that experience of doing that. So they're much better off. That applies well to survival. So those are some more general considerations, some ways to help kids become more comfortable 
with disaster readiness and survival. There's a host of other topics that we've covered where we talk about kids here on the Survival Show podcast. So again, please consider subscribing. That way you are notified when all this stuff comes out. And uh, also, if you're listening and you enjoy what you're hearing, then give us a five-star review. Send us some feedback. Give us a voice message through Anchor, which is our host for the podcast. And uh, we'll keep on keeping on if you continue doing what you're doing, which is supporting us by looking at our sponsors below. The sponsors mentioned uh, by producer Ben. Any way that you can help those out is uh, beneficial to you, I hope. I hope. And it's definitely beneficial to us. So thank you for everything you've been doing. As always, at the Survival Show Podcast, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Stay sharp.